Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast. This is part two of my interview with Mark O'Connell from DPS Sydney. And uh, as a, if you haven't listened to part one, go back to listen to that so you have context for part two. Um, as usual, you want to check out the YouTube channel, Source Manager One Word. We've got some great videos up there. I think the latest video, by the time you listen to this, the latest video will be when to hire a sourcing agent. I got great feedback on the last video that we did. Which was how to hire, how to pick the right factory for you for your business, um, and yeah, I think part one was great. Enjoy part two, and uh, you know, don't forget to check out the YouTube channel, subscribe, leave us some comments. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Because these pencils, for example, we had an FOB price from the factory, obviously, to the seaport, but all of a sudden, because it was a timber product, it had to be fumigated. So like the, um, like the, the shipping pallets, the product itself, being pencils, had to be fumigated. So straight away, mm. our FOB was not an FOB anymore because now we had to go via the fumigation plant. And um, this particular shipment involved a 20-foot container. So all of a sudden, we were hit with some expenses that we had not planned on. So in other words, rather than the freight forwarders taking the container to the factory, the factory filling the container and then sending it to the shipping port, we then had to take a detour via this fumigation plant, which was hexy. So that was that that's a very simple problem that, you know, you just you just don't think of it at the time. And I mean, please by all means talk about the um, the project that we did with you that went almost incredibly pear shaped. <laughs> the bags? <laughs> the bag. I want to say that I do. I'd like to preempt that it's absolutely nothing that uh, that you did. That was completely one hundred percent my end of the ship. But but um, but yeah, go on. I think it's better if you describe it since it was your it was your project. I'll just I'll just I'll just fill in any any blanks. You fill in the, uh, you fill in the blanks. So for your listeners, we um, I've just only just um, finished this great project with Rico and his team where we had to source, and, and very much this is why I came to you, Rico, because um, textiles is not my bag whatsoever. If it's paper, it's cool, but um, when, it's, when, it's, um, when it's a textile, it's, 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 not my, it's not my area of expertise. So we had to produce a, um, a, what they call a messenger bag, or if you like, it's like a, like a cotton library bag. So, and there's this... Quite a few of them. It's, it, well, for, for us, it's quite a good order. I'm, I'm not sure in the realms of it, but um, there's, there's quite a few of these bags. And um, so anyway, the bag, Rico, you know, you, you, you obviously sourced the, the manufacturer for us and we, we made the bag. Um, I'm not sure. Is there something you, you'd say quantity on, Rico? I'm not sure if that's appropriate or... Yeah, I, I mean, it's up to you. I'm completely open. It was... Um, well, it's, it's up to you. The quantity because I think it lends to the gravity of the situation... Yeah, 75,000 units. Yeah, so there's 75,000 units. And um, so so you've done everything perfectly to a T. Um, the factory's been great. Um, you guys have been great. The whole thing's been great. It's gone the whole way. But all the photos, the whole shooting match, everything is all done. And the bags are done. They're finished. They're boxed even, I think, weren't they? They're in there. They're already 
packaged up and done. So I our, think yeah, those are good. Those are good percentage of them that were because we were doing. Um, I think we found this issue during the the quality control inspection. That's exactly right. Was, yeah. So you'd done the QC, found a couple of little just baby things that they were they were they were tidying up for us, like some loose threads and whatnot. And um, I think at that point, when you were doing the QC, obviously we weren't far from shipping. So I got onto um, our customs guys, and this is where this is where I've learned the lesson to to certainly obviously do things in advance a little bit and um so uh so yeah so we booked in the ship and we were working out the size and how big it was going to be and all the rest of it and, and talking to them and the chap that looks after the customs sort of thing i'm not quite sure how it came up but um he said you do have the country of origin on the bags <laughs> and i think at that point my heart just absolutely sunk and i said I said, what do you mean? And he said, um, it's made of cotton, isn't it? And I said, yeah, 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 because we're brought in, you know, tens of thousands of tote bags before, like a non-woven sort of normal tote bag. That, and that particular bag doesn't need this requirement. It's because this is a cotton or a natural fibre um, that whether it's clothing, obviously. So clothing makes sense, but you don't think of it when you're dealing with a, a cotton sort of library bag. He said, um, he said, you've got to have the country of origin on it. And I said, I said, you're kidding. And he said, yeah, 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 if you open up a bag, you'll see that there's a little tag and it's saying honour or made in India or whatever the case may be. So my heart absolutely fell for I think I'd rung you in about 13 seconds and said, uh, mate, we are in, uh, we're in some trouble here. Because I then said to my customs guy, I said, well, hang on a second. I said, so I grabbed every bag in the office that I could see and I started ripping them all open and uh, and to my horror, I'm looking at these cotton bags, and they do. They've got this little tag sewn into these into this bag. So I'm thinking to myself, "Man, how we just how do we get it? Because the bags are made. They're made. And they're bagged and they're boxed." So then, after we'd all calmed down a little bit, um, I got back onto our customs guys, and we worked out. We worked through the legislation, and the legislation said that um, it didn't actually have to be sewn in. It could be a it could be a tag that went on it that, that looped over the handle. As long as when it came through the through the docks, it had the the, the country of origin on it. So um, if it doesn't have the country of origin on it, then then yeah, they can they can hold it up at customs until either a one of two things happens: a you don't do it, and therefore you're up for all the cost of not only what you've done but for disposing of it. Or secondly, you've got to go in and you've got to. Um, meet the requirements to, to get it to, to do that so it can can ship through customs. So yes, there was very much a um, very much a lesson in getting onto your people first before you bring something in that um, that may have you know different restrictions on it. You guys decided to add the tags once it arrived in Australia. Correct. We had to go and add the tags once it arrived in Australia. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I mean the factory was willing to do it as well. Um, they they were obviously not happy. <laughs> they were willing. To, they were willing. They were pushing us to do the you know the, to to loop the tag over the handle, and at the time I pushed them to to sew it on the inside. Yeah. But it was just one of those things where they were saying like it's so difficult to do that once the bag is already made. Absolutely. Like if they were going to add a tag, they would add it before they sort of sew the two sides. Yeah. together my word the bag you know. yeah you know, the situation they'd have to do, like sort of turn the bag inside out and there's just a lot of extra extra yeah. steps you know 
but yeah, as far as problems go, um, that's that's what can bite you. Yeah, and luckily, thankfully, you know, I was able to call you. I mean, imagine trying to ring the factory and going, right, stop, you know, let's just hang five for 30 seconds because we've got a problem here. Um, yeah, if you try to call the factory or you sent them an email, they'll probably be replying the next day. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, 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 and if they did even acknowledge it, it'd be just, yeah, it'd be, that would just, that would just open Pandora's box. That's, um, yeah, that'd be a tricky one. So, yeah. It's interesting that you bring that point up because, for example, like, Okay, so I think you messaged me on WeChat and then we got on a call, then we spoke for five, ten minutes about the issue, then I, I went and spoke to my team, and then they spoke to the factory. But there's there's a side of things that like my clients don't see is that we spent probably, I don't know, two hours going back and forth with our sales rep there in Chinese and just sort of negotiating the point. She would come back to us and say that they can't do it, and we're like, Look, it's a requirement, we can't ship out the product if you can't do it. Yeah. And then then they come back and say, can we do it like this? And we'll be like, no, you can't do it like this. It's like, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff that... Uh, in fairness to them, they had done nothing wrong. You know, they'd done, yeah. they'd done what they were asked to do. So you're then really, really at their mercy as to, okay, how can you help mm-hmm. them? You're absolutely wrong. A couple of hours at your end of the ship was, was worth 100 hours at my end of the ship kind of, to work out because then we had to negotiate at our end as to, okay, this is what has happened. What, what are our alternatives? And that all takes time, and that all takes you know going back and forth and um, trying to work out what we can do. What are our alternatives to make sure that we um, meet the legislation? So that's, I think it's a good place to kind of transition into. You started working with us. Now we've done two orders in the last few months. Um, you were working with other trading com- companies before. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how you found us and then sort of why why you wanted to start working with us. Yeah, how I found you was, you know, luck was just pure luck. I, um, I updated my, uh, I'd never been, and I'm probably a different animal to, to, to what you normally deal with and the t- sort of client that you've got. You know, probably in a lot of cases, a lot more savvy and a lot more up-to-date on different things. but um, you know, with my life the way it is, um, married, kids, a business, um, I'm sort of not up on, you know, some of the social media stuff as much as I should be. Um, my car was about seven or eight years old last year and I had to, uh, I, I had to get a new one, so, um, so I turned it over. And, uh, the new, I know this sounds a bit strange, but, um, but the new car I had, believe it or not, and you will laugh at this, um, enabled me to hook my phone up to it, and um, and which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but it was something very different for me. I think the kids have been doing it for their mums now or whatever. But, um, but I'd never had this little luxury where all of a sudden I didn't have to listen to the radio anymore because I do a little bit of driving around. We've got a bit of traffic here, like uh, like most major capital cities around the world, and um, so you can spend a little bit of time in your car. So the radio can become a bit boring. So. All of a sudden, I had this phone in this car, and um, and you know, so I started listening to, you know, I could start listening to my own music and Spotify and all this sort of stuff. Well, wow, this is pretty cool. But that sort of wore thin after a little bit, and so, um, so yeah, so I started looking at podcasts, and I'd never, you know, what I'd heard of podcasts, I'd never, never listened to one. I never had time to listen to one. I don't have time to sort of um, do those sorts of things. So I just, um, I'd never done it. But all of a sudden, I found myself sitting in the car, and I could. Put my phone through the radio, so I started listening to podcasts, and then um, 
you know, I sort of didn't find anything that really, so I thought, well, hang on a second, I wonder if there's anything out there about, um, you know, on the business side of things and, you know, I'm obviously very passionate about sourcing stuff in, in China and stuff. So that's what I did. I, I punched something like sourcing in China or China sourcing or something or other and, you know, half a dozen podcasts came up and, um, yeah, I think I clicked on one or two and I, they were, they were not to not to not to dish anybody else, but you know they weren't. You know they were sort of you know just so so. And so then I found yours. I went, this sounds pretty cool. So um, so it was really good. I went back to day one. I can't. I'm not sure. You got about sixty or seventy or eighty odd. And now you're up to about high sixties or something now. So I went back to number one and started at number one. And uh, yeah, and started listening. Went all the way through. I can't remember what the question was. Okay. I kind of, I kind of wish you didn't listen to number one. <laughs> number one is so bad. Uh, it's uh, no, so, no, it's good. painful. Uh, no, it's yeah. good because it gives you a. Um, it's good listening to something evolve as it goes, like you said. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just the audio quality on that was just. Oh, I mean, I don't mind. Like, uh, I don't mind. Like, obviously, at the beginning of the anything that you do, like. You're not going to be the best at interviewing people. You're not going to be the best at sort of hosting the actual podcast, things like that. Um, like even, for example, my intros now, like those days I used to do the intros at the beginning yeah. while I was recording. So then yes. it just it just wasn't as professional as it is right now. For me, the audio quality is the thing that I hate about that first episode the most. <laughs> it, uh, it certainly has improved. But having said that, it's, um, that's what makes it what it is because it's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's good to listen to it from the start and um, besides the content all the way through. Um, and that was the thing that got me was the content. It was the content. I'm thinking, hang on a sec, this is exactly, this is exactly the stuff that I need to, um, you know, all those little tidbits all the way through. Um, was really cool, and it was, and it's, you know, it was, it was, it was great. It was great information. Great to, I think that's what all this is all about, Rico. It takes a long time to do this. I, you know, for us, for me anyway, it takes. It's taken a long time. It's taking a long time. It's probably taking me longer than, which I guess is another sort of discussion. It's taking me longer than I would like it to take me, but it's taking me longer than I'd like it to. But because I've got a, I've got a business to run, so it's sort of, it's almost like. It's almost like the second part of the business. We've got to keep the we've got to keep the main animal alive because that's what pays the bills and pays the bank. But um, and this side of the business, the sourcing side of the business out of China, um, is fantastic for our business. But it takes a lot of time, um, and so that's why it's a slower sort of progression than I would like it to be. But that's again, that's where that's where you come in. So. Um, so that was the second part of my question was that you were working with other trading companies before for a while. So what made you led to? Yeah, so we were working with, um, I was working with, when I say I, I mean we, the company, we were working with a couple of other trading companies and, and it's, they probably weren't so much, I actually know, a couple were, which I've listened to your stuff where you think you're doing with the factory, but you're actually not in the trading company. First one or two guys were actually, I guess, uh, they were more promotional companies. They weren't sort of trying to um, portray themselves as the factory, whereas to me the old trading company can get a little bit muddy in the fact that unless you ask them straight out of your trading company, um, they're more than happy to give you the information that they are the factory, whereas the, 
yeah, these initial goals were probably more like, no, we are a uh, we are a promotional company, we are a sourcing company. I, it, it comes your question comes back to an answer that you and I have spoken to spoken about before, and that's when I question you about your your business model and how SFA operates. Is that uh, I suppose problems with trading companies? Yes and no, but I'm very much I like to I like to know. I like to know where things are being made. I just need to know the nitty gritty. That's sort of where the trading company side of things. Not that I've had, not that I had, a, but mind you, until recently, um, not that I'd had bad experiences with trading companies. But apart from these one or two promotional type companies or things that I had dealt with, I, I sort of there's a few rules that I sort of try to play to play to, and one of them was don't deal with the trading company. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that in disrespect to the trading company. Um, I really don't, because I'm sure there's some very good trading companies out there. Um, and, and, I, and I shouldn't sort of lump them all into one sort of bucket, but it was just a sort of like personal rule that I had that if you're going to do this, if you're going to play with something that you can't actually see being done and if you're going to be transferring money to companies before things even leave a country, then you've got to get as close to that product as you can. And um, for me, just dealing with a with a with physically dealing with a known trading company was like, what if I can deal with you? Apart from the fact that because you're a trading company, your English probably needs to be pretty good. Um, if I can deal with you as a trading company, why can't I deal with the factory? And that, that was really only a, that was really a personal sort of thing. But mind you, as as you have said before, and I tell you what, I thought I thought I was. It was definitely one or two that I thought I was doing with training companies and worked out over time that I wasn't and after the third or fourth or fifth order um, and then was fortunate enough to find actual factories to manufacture that product. Um, the one, Probably the biggest one that got me though, Rico, was um, one of the and, – and they are, they're one of the bigger players they're in the, the gift and premium fair. And um, I sp- training company is probably not the right word because they are a factory. But I, you, it's sort of a hybrid. They let's say, let's say for example, you've got a factory that makes a metal keyring, and they do. They make the metal keyring. Um, you, but you don't want a metal keyring. You want a you want a you want EVA keyring. I want a floating keyring for a boat and stuff like that. But so I go to the to this very well established company that's making metal keyrings, and I say, can you make it? Yeah, yeah, of course we can. Um, and you think they're making it, but they're actually not. Yeah. So. That, and that was one that went pear shape on me. I broke every rule in my book uh, when I placed that order. Not that long ago, just quietly. Thankfully, it was only a small order of monetary value. And again, that's probably the circumstances back here that didn't make me, but sort of made it easy for me to break every rule in my book that I have before I place an order in China. Um, and so I subsequently broke every rule I had. And, and, and the product turned up and it was garbage. It was absolutely garbage. It was one of those. One of those stories where you, um, where yeah, you open the product and you go, wow, wow that's just my very, very passion. And it was hopeless. I couldn't even give it to the client. I actually threw it in the bin. But yeah, when you're talking about trading companies, yeah, exactly right. That's, that's, that, that, that can happen. I'm not sure if that answered your original question though, mate. I'm sorry. Well, no, I think, I think uh, the basic answer that you're saying is you wanted transparency. So if you're talking about, sort of some of our core values, transparency is one of them. And, you know, if, if somebody works with me, they're going to know 
where their factory is located. They're going to have the contact information for the, for the factory. And, you know, if they decide that, you know, for whatever reason they want to work with the factory directly, they can do that. Whereas um, traditionally with, with uh, trading companies, like the information is, is, is hidden. That's, that's the value is that they don't want to let you know who, who the actual factory is directly. Yeah, and that's why you know that's why when I came across came across you and came across your company, that it flew in the face of everything that um, that I was used to. And when you talk about trading companies, and we've made that parallel earlier earlier today, in that uh, I suppose for one of a better word, that's exactly what we were. We we were a trading company, if you like, being a brokerage in the print industry. Uh-huh. I didn't want my you're talking about a much smaller sort of market in that I didn't want my clients knowing where their 100,000 flies were being made. The actual fact that I'll make being made 30 minutes down the road. And that's a much easier phone call for someone to make, you know, going to a factory like that here in Australia than it is to bring a, bring a factory overseas, of course. So my business was built on that thinking of the trading companies we play in your in your area, our business was built on that that um, methodology or that that way of thinking. So when I was listening to you, and all of a sudden I'm listening to this guy goes, "Yeah, just um, you know, we'll hook you up, and you can then deal direct." I'm thinking to myself, "Hang on a sec, this is this is exactly what I want because this is what I'm spending. I'm going to work for ten hours a day. I'm coming home." Um, sorting out all the things you've got to sort at home, then I'm spending another four or five hours at night researching Alibaba and researching um, the Hong Kong Trade Council for all their supplies and then researching global sources, all trying to spearhead over weeks, trying to spearhead down to trying to find a supplier for one particular product. Um, So, yeah, all of a sudden you're talking about, hang on a second, I'm talking to a chap here that's going to give me what I'm after because I'm I'm that sort of person that wants to know, I need to know, I need to know where things are being done. Um, And that's, yeah, that's, as I said, flew in the face of everything that I was sort of used to. So, um, so yeah, it's still sometimes it's hard for me to get my head around, but um, I think it's, I'm finding that even though these big products, some of these bigger projects that we've done, you know, and you were talking about the bags, but there's there's a couple of other jobs that you and I have done, and one is going as we speak. Even though I know, in fact, the one you're doing at the moment is the factory that I actually gave you, but didn't feel confident in dealing with. So it really works interestingly what it is you're doing because you are giving me peace of mind, even though I know where it's being made. I, we're the ones that found the actual factory to make it. But you're the one that's verified it for me. You're you're making sure that because just with that particular one, it just to me it didn't feel right. But it turns out it was right. It was okay. Um, but I was only able to verify that. Hey, what's up, guys? We will return to regular scheduled program shortly. But I just wanted to let you know about a new service that we just launched. It's a design for manufacturing service. We've hired a very, very fantastic industrial designer who has experience 
working with uh, doing DFM for South American manufacturers as well as Chinese manufacturers. And I think our rates are pretty reasonable in comparison to what you'd get if you're working with a company based in the US just because of labor costs, right? Um, yeah, so what we can now do, what SFA is now capable of doing is taking a crudely drawn item, product idea on a napkin, you drew it drunk in a bar or something like that, and then taking it into 2D, uh, giving you recommendations on the bill of materials and taking it into 3D and CAD and having that formatted specifically for manufacturers, right? So we're doing a beta launch at the moment. Um, official launch date is June 4th for the beta launch. Um, for anybody that gets in before the beta launch, there will be a special discount. Uh, so if you want more details, go to the website and shoot me an email. It's rico at sourcefinasia.com, R-I-C-O at sourcefinasia.com, and just say DFM service in the subject line. Cheers. And I think there's also the additional, uh, like you said, peace of mind. There's the additional steps that that we take in terms of setting up sales agreements. And and obviously, when you talk about the peace of mind part, like we did our own vetting process before we, we sent somebody to inspect the, the factory just to make sure that it was actually a factory and not um, not a trading company. And then yeah, of course, the, there's going to be the quality control at the end and then the, the shipping, the handling the shipping yeah. process. Correct. So, I mean, the first two projects you did for us, and there's, there's going to be more, were, was definitely two projects that I just did not feel comfortable with. Um, they were two pieces that I just did not feel comfortable. I didn't have the expertise. I didn't have the knowledge. Um, and I didn't have the time to research it for those two particular products. There's other products that are simpler and whatnot. But those two, those two particular products is where you came into play massively. Um, and with this third product that was, as you and I have said on the phone, it's one that I just, just something just, you know, it was just one of those gut feeling things. But as you said, it, you know, turned out, turned out sweet in the end. But now we are, we're going to do, we've done the factory inspection, we're going to do QC, we're going to, so when the product comes out, um, it's going to be, it's going to be right. Because with the client that I've got for these, for these items, as you well know, I, I can't, you can't afford for it to be, you can't just can't afford for it to be to go pear shaped. It just, um, it just, yeah, it's, it's it's part of a much bigger picture. And um, if things start to go pear shaped with the little things, you you know, if your client starts to lose some confidence in you, then um, then yeah, it is in, it is in trouble. So, do you think for as a as an Australian like an Australian buyer, are there any other unique things about dealing with China? I I feel like the shipping is the most Unique. I think it is more strict than than other countries, from my from my experience. Dealing um, yeah. with you in the last couple couple orders, but do you think there's anything else that um, that an Australian buyer should pay attention to? The only thing, the only thing I could say, well, not the only thing I could say, but if you want to play doing this, it's not it's not fly by night. Um, it's 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 not something that you can just. You might get lucky. You might get lucky. Um, but I think you really need to have, you've got to have a passion for it. You really have to want to, I think, know about it. You have to do the research, which is, can be incredibly boring. I mean, you know, if you've, if you've got sleep apnea, there's no better way to cure that than jump on Alibaba for a couple of hours. 
<laughs> funny because I, when I first started the company, I mean, that's what I was doing for like the first three, four months. It was just literally every day jumping on Alibaba, talking to factories. So I would say maybe, maybe even six months because there was, there was a transition between when I when I was doing it and then I got my first interns and then I had some of my interns help me with some research where I would do the research and then pass the contacts to them. And then, so I really was doing it for about probably six months. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I don't miss it at all. No, absolutely. It's a killer. I'm just... I mean, you know, the word Alibaba might roll off the tongue, but that's, a, that's, that's just the start. That's not, you haven't even got out of the blocks by looking Alibaba up. Just, just yeah, Alibaba, 1688, Global Sources. Oh, absolutely. And then the, the workload that comes back at you as soon as you stick your head up and make an inquiry on something, um, you know, look out. So... <laughs> I suppose advice to, and maybe not just to Australia, but I guess to anyone that's in is in the market that 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 I'm in. I mean, it's very very different for a lot of the other people that you've spoken to that are dealing in their own particular products or dealing in specific products and stuff like that. But if you're in the if you're in the market where you're sourcing multiple multiple products, and on any one day the phone can ring and it can be something that you've never even thought about, um, and you have to go back to scratch. And the big thing is also with that. The, the thing I left out there, Rico, is that you don't have a lot of time either. Like if I get a client that rings me up and wants a price on X, Y, Z, you might, if it's something half decent, you know, you might be able to buy yourself 72 hours, maybe four days, maybe five days at most. Mm-hmm. But if you want to source a decent product which has got a decent monetary value to it, you've got a lot of work to do in a very short period of time and you want, you've got to make sure it's right. And, again, that's you know, where I think you and I will sort of grow but um that's that, that'd be my big thing is to say that you you have to be prepared to put the hours in if you want to do it yourself and and and, and you know as you as you quite rightly you know are an advocate of you know do it yourself by all means um but and you can do it yourself and you get a lot of satisfaction out of doing it yourself there's no two ways about it um there's a lot of reward in doing it yourself but you need to be you need to you need to really want to do it. You need to have a passion to do it because it is it is sometimes mind-numbingly boring. And if you're not if you don't stick with it, then yeah, then that's you will you'll end up taking on a factory or something like that that just just goes completely pear shaped. And then if you are in Australia, then then as you said, it might be a little not quite as strict um, in some of the other countries. But but you do you've got all your shipping documents, which is not a lot. I mean, you've got your um, you know, you've got your, your commercial invoices and your packing lists, and um, that stuff is normal. There's just um, obviously the, there's a few other documents that that you had us fill out, or your uh, freight forwarder has us fill out, um, which yeah. which is on which I'd never seen before. Like the information that they're requesting, like some of the information is standard information where it's like what is the supplier and, and all that stuff. But then those, I remember specifically one document we filled it out and then they came back and said no the format is incorrect it needs to be like this and i was like oh okay I, like it was just i was like oh that's a little bit different from other you know i think memory, i think and i don't know the form you're talking about that's our um that's our quarantine form mm-hmm. um and it that in the word format and then um yeah but but essentially um it's a one-page document but if you do it over two pages they'll reject it no. Yeah, so it's like those kind of things. That, like the US is not 
that strict. Canada is not that strict. Um, Brazil is one of the places that I've dealt with that is very, very particular about things like that. Well, okay, so let me ask you a question. If um, let's say you're doing the, you're importing the bags, you know, seventy five yep. seventy five thousand bags. Let's say that that comes out to something like I don't know, ten thousand cartons or you know, 20,000 cartons, right? Sure. So you put on your packing list, 75,000 bags, 20,000 cartons, X amount of bags per carton. And then for whatever reason, the factory has some extra bags and they decide to include it. So they add one extra carton or they, yeah, yeah. they add one extra carton. So instead mm-hmm. of it being 20,000, it's 20,001. Yep. But your packing list says 20,000. What yes. would happen when it arrives at the port? Because in the like in the U.S. and Canada, they're very flexible about stuff like that. Sometimes, and most of the time, they actually don't check. Um, but like Brazil, they would <laughs> they would like completely reject that, and that would become a huge, huge issue that uh, the packing list wasn't a hundred percent accurate. Um, wow. Okay. Um, for us, it would be an issue. Absolutely. Mm. If your paperwork does not match what is there, then yes, it is an issue. Um, that's where you need your good freight forward and your good customs people. Um, yeah. There's no two ways about it. It would, yep, it would cause an issue for you. I, I'm not quite sure whether it would be a rejection. Well, I mean, um, a rejection in the sense that they'd hold it up and you'd probably have to go there and, and grease some palms to, to get yeah, the stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> We would, it would definitely get held up, no two ways about it. Um, greasing, not snow, we're pretty good here now. Um, <laughs> <but> no. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. That's a good one. That's a nice one. Uh, no, 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 we're sweet there. Um, yeah, we, we're pretty lucky in that, in that regards. We don't have to. But you would certainly have some issues, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'd have some they, – how long it got held up for and how much explaining you would have to do and how you would have to suss it out, I'm not quite sure. You might find that um, hopefully it wasn't a massive shipment, like you said, like those bags um, mm-hmm. where they then have to bust open a, a small container and then open every bag because anything like that, if they have to, um, if they have to do something out of the norm because you haven't got all your ducks in a row – then they inspect every single I'll hit you up and you'll pay for it too. You'll pay for them. So um that is the one that is the one thing that is common like in the US is if I think the difference is that uh, a lot of times they just don't they don't check. Like it's just I guess they have so many shipments coming in that I think that's what it and if you if you're a frequent importer, like if it's your first time you have a very high chance of them checking your your shipment. But if you're a frequent importer, they don't they don't check it. But if they do check it and they decide to hold up your shipment and X-ray it, and it might not be that they found anything wrong, they just randomly chose your container to be X-rayed. They charge you yes. for the storage and they charge you for the X-ray. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't think there's quite as cruel here as that. If they pick out, you'll certainly get it held up. That's no dramas, no problems whatsoever. And you are you, there's nothing you can do. You can't if you're held up. You are held up. You can. Um, you can make as big a song and dance as you like, but um, if they choose to hold your container up for whatever reason, um, then that's you're just you're, that's it. You, you're held up, and you're just you're just you'll just wait for whatever reason. Depends on what it was. And man, you, you might be if a, 
if it's an LCL, for example, so they may be looking at something that's not even yours mm. because you're in that uh, tin can. Um, you're uh, you're part of it. You're part of it. So yeah. So we're pretty strict, but you know what? I I like it too. You know what I mean? It's um because it also rewards it rewards you for doing the right thing. If you yeah. um if you do the right thing, um you know there's another little product I've got which is a paper product and um. Um, and so our Forestry Commission, um, we've got laws here in Australia that forbids you from importing any um, paper product or paper, paper itself or any paper product um, that has come from illegal logging. So if um, for whatever reason you've got a product that has come from illegal logging, then it's illegal to import it into Australia. So it's on the onus of you bringing something in, which maybe a paper product could be a coffee pot. You have to show due diligence that you have made all inquiries that you can the manufacturing company so that, that that product has not come from that source. And um, that onus is on us. Now, when I say that, they're not, you know, they're not going to, you know, if you can't 100% prove where that timber came from, they're not going to. Um, they're not. They're not quite that harsh, but um, they certainly make it very clear that you need to make. You need to have some due diligence in in, in doing it. So yeah. So it's strict, but but at the same time, if you do the right thing, you know they they look after you as well. So uh, closing questions: What what are the plans for the business in the future? Yeah, plans for the business are to uh, keep going the way we're going with our normal core business. That's very important. We can't take our eye business that's what uh like i said before that's what pays the bank and pays the electricity man um keep it keep our eye on the core business but the offshore procurement and um the growing of that side of the business and the customers that come with that type of work is very at the front for me from for my leadership like i said i've got a business partner you know, we sort of separate the roles, obviously. His interest in doing this side of the business is zero. Um, he yeah. has no interest in the procurement side of things, um, So, which is cool. You know, he does other stuff that doesn't interest me so much, so it's, so it's good. Um, but this side for me is very, it's exciting. It's something that I want to um, expand on. We've been very, very fortunate um, with some of the clients that we have right now is to into some of the work that we are doing, which is allowing us to look at quite a number of products in China um, across the board of all sorts of different categories and all sorts of different things. And so we're dealing with different factories for, to produce different products that are very, very, you know, poles apart from each other. So we're getting experience in all sorts of different ways there. But very much to grow it and to, to hone in on that. And the reason I'd like to do that is because it, it's, it's something that I like doing things that, not, that a lot of others don't do. And uh-huh. this is one thing that I don't think there are too many of us in Australia that are doing what we're doing. And when I say that, I don't, I mean, coming to China to source product direct to the client. There's a lot of companies that come to China to source a lot of product but it's not direct to the client. And I don't think there's too many. There's no two ways about it. When you come up against a decent-sized deal, the advantage you've got over the next person that's trying to go for it is, is huge. And that's why I enjoy it. That's why I like it. Um, and it's a challenge. And um, so that's, that's, that's the big goal for us. We've got, uh, we got a really 
cool trade show coming up in a few weeks, which I hope is going to um, to launch and leapfrog off what we are doing currently because it's a trade show which is in the same vein of I'm working on. That unfortunately negates me, you know, coming over to, to the Canton Fair and to actually to what you're running. That's what that's what's killed me there. But hopefully from that we um, we can you know we can expand and then opens up hopefully opens up the doors for 2019 to be um, to be bigger to get more customers in that space um, and then we can you know hopefully further develop with you. There's some stuff that I've chatted to you about, but uh, there's definitely a niche there, a nice niche combination of of us doing stuff and, and, and you certainly doing stuff for us. There's no two ways about it. And then the smallest thing you've done that's brought you the largest results in your business? I'm not sure if it's the smallest thing, Rico, but if I was to say the one thing that I really think that we've managed to do well as opposed to um, quite a few of our competitors, and when I say competitors, I mean people that we were good friends with. Um, and other businesses that were in our industry, you know, they might be doing the same thing, but we knew them quite well. Um, I think the smallest thing that we've done that's, that's brought the greatest result is diversification. Being able to, to take our business and diversify it into different markets, which are not poles apart. It's you not know, selling headphones versus selling cars. Um, it's still in the same vein, but not just sticking with the one particular thing and going with it. That would be the smallest thing to get to, to, to have kept us alive, I think, yeah. Three books, podcasts, or blogs that people could read or listen to to get to know you better. Wow. That's, you know, you and I have chatted about that before. I'm going to let you down here, Rico, because I unfortunately, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm an awful book reader. I am going to try and get into some audible books because I, I think that's the only way I'm going to get across the line. But I've never been, I've never been... And I won't say I haven't got time, but I've been at a different stage. Like I said, you know, it's, when you're running your own business and, um, and come home and that's another, that's another job in itself and then, and then you do some Alibaba at night or something like that. By the time you hit the sack, like there's, there's no time for, uh, for reading a book. Uh-huh. To get to know me better, um, you know, and even podcasts, I'm only new to that. But I do like if I, if I had, some, if I had a, a genre, if you like, that I'd like to listen to, it's sort of like the, I guess, the spin-off from the news of the day or the current affair of the day. I like listening to things like, um, which you might, you, you would be familiar with. So it, I mean, we do get that over here in Australia is um, NPR, National Public Radio from mm-hmm. America. Yeah. Where they talk about, they're not talking about, it's not a news program, so to speak, but they're talking about the topics of the day. That's the sort of stuff I like listening to um, is things like NPR. There's a really cool podcast on at the moment which um, is put together by a bloke on our ABC, which is, I guess, the equivalent of your um, NPR, um, but the ABC and the Australian Broadcasting Commission here. And there's a very cool podcast on there at the moment, which is a little bit of, not tongue-in-cheek, but, um, but it's, uh, it is, I find it a really good listen. Um, and it's a podcast called uh, Russia, If You're Listening. And um, it's put together by... Um, by a chap by the name of Matt Bevan, who's a reporter over here on the ABC. And, it, and essentially it is about, um, it's a podcast into the allegations of Russia meddling into the, the US presidential the US. election. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, that I love it. That's the sort of stuff. So if you want to try and get to know me, that's, um, if you listen to Russia, if you're listening, that's pretty much on my wavelength, yeah. 
small book about Hong Kong I'm reading as well, which is quite interesting, but um, about uh, the history of, um, uh, how do you say, protests in, in Hong Kong, which was put together by a, um, by a lawyer who lives in Hong Kong, actually. And uh, that's, a little, that's a little book, which is quite interesting. I'll have to get the name of it for you. Yeah, you can send me the name uh, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes on the, on the yeah. website. I was going to say, if you like NPR, there is a podcast that I think you'd like called Radio Lab. Um, I've heard you say that. I've heard you say Radio Lab. I haven't got that far though. Yeah. Yeah. Radio Lab. It's made by NPR as well. Um, All right. I didn't realize it was a spinoff of this. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they have quite the, they have quite a few podcasts, and it started off as a it started off as a radio show like yeah. 30, 30 years ago, something like that, and then obviously now they transitioned into podcasting. I think they still do the radio, but like they take even the episodes that they do for radio, they just they post them on the podcast feed. But they they're now specifically you know like a full time podcast, and they tackle science issues. Um, but yeah. from a storyteller's perspective, so they did like they did a four part episode recently on how uh, like the the process of uh, process of a baby developing, you know. So they talked about like you know the inception, but the way they talk about it is like a, like they were describing a war or something like that, you know. It's yeah, like, it's yeah, not, it, yeah, that yeah that sounds like. Actually, I'll tune into that. I have heard you speak about that before, and that's yeah, that's that's my sort of uh, that's my sort of bag. Yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff. And just the production quality is, is amazing. It's, they're they're audio documentaries essentially, and the, the sound effects, the yeah, the storytelling yeah. perspective. It's it's really yeah, great. Sound effect in there and a bit of music and uh, yeah, done at the right time. Uh, yep. It's quite good. Yeah, it takes you into it. I mean, for me, that's to me, Radio Lab is the gold standard of of podcasting. It's kind of if I if I would could produce podcasts like that, I would. But I know because I I've obviously I, I've edited myself and I've listened to them talk about it. Like it takes them you know three months to make one episode, you know, and yeah. and, and they also spend quite a but quite a bit of money to to, oh, to produce that, you know. So wow. I'll, I will. I'll definitely tune into that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, thanks for being on the podcast, man. I think uh, you've gone full circle. You went from finding us, listening to the episodes, to becoming a client, to being interviewed on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, I can I can tell you, and I'm not just saying it for the for the sake of saying it. It's um, it's been uh, very very cool, and just um, made a. I don't know. Sometimes things just. Uh, sometimes just fall into place of work and um yeah it has i guess it has been a full circle but um it's certainly fitted right into what it is i'm trying to do so so mate thank you it's been good yeah and i appreciate you as well like i think that um you're sort of one of my favorite types of client who you know does a lot of research and and sort of understands that there's going to be issues but we just have to work through them yeah and mate, i appreciate it and um and yeah, it's it's it is good because we can do our own research, but then you know we come to you and you just stamp it all up and wrap it all up for us, and it's um it's no mate, it works, it does, it works really well, it's good. So if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, that's um I am on uh, well for those that have got WeChat, um I'm on your WeChat, which is uh, probably not going to help you out here too much. I don't think there's too many of us out here. Uh, most people have never even heard of it. But um, for those of your listeners that do do WeChat, very much so, I'm, I'm on that a lot. 
um, LinkedIn, um, or uh, just basic email address, um, which I can give you for the show notes, but uh, just mark at uh, sydneydps.com.au. But, um, I'm sure you'll have it up in the notes. So, mate, email, WeChat, LinkedIn. That's about it. I haven't ventured as far as uh, Facebook as yet, but um, we'll get there. I think that's fine. I think most people probably reach out through email. Um, and, yeah, we'll yeah, link it in the show notes. Yeah. But for sure, I mean, hey, I don't – I'm only a baby in the whole thing, mate. But, um, you know, if there's something that we've done that to somebody else, then, yeah, mate, it's part of your ethos by um, – by all means. Right. And if you guys want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. If you want to sort of get um, the show notes at sourcefinasia.com slash made in China and uh, sourcefinasia for our YouTube channel as well. Fantastic. Fantastic.